Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. This month, Jews around the world will be celebrating Pesach, or as it's known in English, the holiday of Passover, which of course is fundamental to the faith of Jews around the world. It's in a way how it all began. The story of Exodus from Egypt, the beginning of wandering in the desert, getting the Torah, going into Israel. It's what developed this deep relationship between the Israelites, the Jewish people, and God a God that delivers, a God that redeems, a God that we can trust on and rely on, a God that spoke to us through Moses to lead us to the Holy Land. And this holiday, while it's so fundamental to the faith of Jews around the world, is also very, very special, important, even fundamental to Christians as well. We know that Jesus celebrated Passover. We even know it was at the Passover Seder that he told the disciples about his upcoming death. We know that Passover was in the New Testament and that Jesus looked at Passover also as one of these fundamental holidays as a Jew. And so today, um, as we see more and more Christians celebrating the feasts, going back to those biblical roots, they are celebrating Passover. They're learning the messages of Passover and internalizing them. So today, I have with me one of my most favorite people in the world, uh, Bishop Paul Lanier, chairman of the Fellowship Board of Directors, um, and of course, the pastor of Hope Church in Winston-Salem. And we're going to discuss with you today Passover and why and how it's relevant to Christians around the world. Bishop, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much, Ayala. It's such an honor, especially in this holy season of the year, to be able to gather and talk about our faith. Amen. Amen. You have been one of the role models to me of really taking everything Jewish and mm. integrating it into your Christian faith strengthening you and your community and your home in your faith as you learn from these Jewish roots, from these Hebraic roots? Well, yes. I, but I need, I, I need to say something to me that's very important that maybe hasn't been said, and that is this International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and you in particular, God has positioned for a time such as this mm -hmm. In crisis, in crises that people are struggling against, and there's confusion and there's chaos, and, and people are searching. And what you have done, I don't think many people would argue with the reality of Jesus of Nazareth. He was a Jew, his mother was a Jew, 
he had followers who were Jewish, lived 2,000 years ago. That's not about his spirituality. That's not about the content of his preaching. That's not about did he perform miracles or all of this. That's not about. There was a Jew, there was a man who lived in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. That's known. He, was, he lived his life in Nazareth. That's known. He died outside in, in Jerusalem. That's known. But that's about as much as my people, Christians, a lot of us know. And this, is, and this may sound very, very strange, but in moments especially like this, when we're getting to these glorious holy days of Passover, and then we'll, we'll be moving, you know, in just a few weeks beyond that, and, and we think about three times a year that the scriptures say that a, a Jewish man is to come to the holy city, and don't come empty-handed, and, and the Moedim, and the, the covenant calendar that God is pressing and, and speaking and engaging and, and revealing his great love and his plan for his people. To be perfectly honest, with, with Jesus of Nazareth, the man, and Jesus Christ, that for me is Messiah. That's, that's, that's my part. And there are differences and we understand that. But we're not debating that. That's the, but what I would say is this. What a lot of Christians... What a lot of Jews don't understand is someone like you, in particular like you, you, for our fellowship of hundreds of thousands of people who look to this fellowship, you have absolutely no idea of how much you bring Jesus of Nazareth, the man, to life. You have so much more in common with Jesus of Nazareth, the man, than I ever will. He woke up and looked at the Israeli sunrise like you. He knew what it was to, to be on the Sea of Galilee like you. I, I didn't know any of those. Those uniquely beautiful Jewish particulars of his life are so similar to your own. And it's not about what do you believe about this. No, 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 no. Just simply being Jewish and waking up in the morning. You have a remarkable amount. And so I would tell you when we're thinking about the holiness of Passover and all of these others as we're moving towards one of the four New Year's, uh, that is extraordinary. I have to say thank you as a Christian, and in behalf of hundreds of thousands of Christians in this extraordinary ministry of the fellowship, thank you for not being intimidated. Thank you for not being afraid. Thank you for being so willing to allow us to know Jesus of Nazareth more. Bishop Lanier, thank you so much for articulating and sharing so much on every side. This is a holy union, that's for sure. And now we get to this this particular discussion of Passover, and I think most Christians are familiar with it, what it's all about, and we can't really understand, as a Christian, Pilate and the execution of Jesus without understanding Pharaoh and the oppression and 430 years of slavery and inhumanity and brutality and starvation 
and this voice coming in saying, let my people go, all of that, I cannot as a Christian truly grasp who Pilate was without getting Pharaoh. And so then for you to, to be so comfortable in your Jewishness to say, hey, I want to talk to Christians about this. Now this, God is doing such a work in the midst of all of his people. Amen. Amen. God is at work in all of us. Yes, ma'am. When did you first start learning, studying, feeling, practicing this connection between Jesus as a Jew and the modern Jewish mm. traditions, or you can say the biblical mm-hmm. roots of your mm-hmm. Christian faith? I was always more interested probably in what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures that always fascinated me and when we would see movies which were usually terribly done on television but they but still it was all I'd ever seen and so it fascinated me but um, studying as a student going into the ministry um, I began to see the correlations what we call typologies uh, that when you would see this in, in the Hebrew scriptures, it was a, a type of or a symbol of what was going on in the Christian scriptures. But I'll tell you something. Something radically struck me well, the night I saw your father on television. And the more I got to know him, and then he so carefully, lovingly, dotingly, um, not in a condescending way. He knew the Christian scriptures better than I did and most Christians. And he would, he would so gently help explain what I believed. And I had to say, oh, thank you, I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching me what I believe. And, and he wasn't trying to lead me in some strange philosophy or in some, some, some strange ideas. He was simply trying to tell me, this is what you believe as a Christian. You may not know this is what you believe. This is actually what you believe as a Christian. And so um, conversations with him, studying him, and then that opening me up to so many others helping me to understand the correlation, the roots of my faith, and how they would later be played out in, in, in my Christian faith. Wow. And where does Passover come into that? As a Christian, how do you relate to the story of Passover mm. and the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt mm. and Pharaoh and the ten wow. plagues? Where does that touch you as far as being a Christian leader and how the Christian community could internalize and relate to it? Mm. That is so thick, that is so big, so huge. Mm. And, you know, oppression and deliverance is such a a big piece of our story. It's amazing what human beings can do to one another. And time and again we look in the scriptures and we see oppression and inhumanity and brutality and the people of Israel being stripped from their country and the temple decimated and the holy things taken and the intellectual property uh, robbed of the Hebrew children, Daniel included, of of being taken. And so for me as a Christian, um, watching Moses confront the powers that be, namely Pharaoh saying, let my people go, and how we as, as Christians began to see that, of course, ethnically, in a faith of a people, But at the same time, it began to expand to realize all of us who believe in that one God of Israel uh, began to identify with ourselves, okay, I was not in Egypt, and so that particular story, but it kept replaying itself to where you then have a pilot of the Roman Empire coming in and binding and imprisoning and, and treating. So 
to where for us a Jesus would come in to say let my people go freedom and uh, the same dictatorial spirit that would come to bind and to wound and yet this story of redemption coming and and offering freedom and making promises that that there's yet resurrection in all of this to where you can oppress and you can and you can wound as as uh, the Pharaoh did and yet walk through the Red Sea approach Sinai to receive Torah to receive the word of the Lord and and for Christians they would we would say the same uh, sequence of events would have taken place at the same moment of an anniversary of that to receive the spirit which would have birthed the church in particular which would have been a final vehicle through which not to replace Israel but to join Israel wow it's all so personal when we talk about it in those terms. I always tell my children, the biblical holidays are there, not because they happened thousands of years ago, mm. but because they're happening today. Yes, ma'am. Moses exists not because he existed thousands of years ago, because we have to learn from Moses, mm. because we have to learn from the mistakes of mm. the Israelites. We have mm. to make learn mm. from the uh, lack of faith. And, and wow. you can often say, wow. I once heard a beautiful teaching about the golden calf. They just saw the face of God. They were just... They were just saved through the desert and taken out of Egypt and the ten plagues and God passed over their homes. How do you go and build a golden wow. calf when Moses leaves? And I once heard a beautiful teaching that they weren't trying to go against God. God sent them Moses, and mm-hmm. Moses was the one who was the intermediary between God. And they just couldn't live without something there that could mm. differentiate and communicate with God on their behalf. Mm. It, they were supposed to build a Mishkan, a tabernacle. Yes. And so this idea of the nuance between the golden calf and the tabernacle, mm. what's the difference between the most holy and wow. the most sacred wow. and the lowest place? Simply that God told us to do it or not. Because they're both a place that God, God spoke through the tabernacle. That you went into the Holy of Holies and God was talking mm. there. That's what the Israelites were looking for mm. when they built the golden calf. What's the difference? That God didn't tell them to do that. And so in this world, it's so relevant of what we think is right, what we think we want, That's where right. the intention That's is. Right. And when it comes down to it, hearing the voice of God, let my people go. Right. Give your chetzi shekel, your half a shekel, in order to mm. count the nation and build this tabernacle. Now is a time that you could have the tabernacle that I'll talk to you mm. through. The crew veem, the angelic figures mm. that the yes. uh, that Moses went and received the word of the Lord. Yes. That all of these lessons that are so biblical, yes. when I hear you talk, are reminding me they're so modern. They're yes. so relevant. They're talking to all of us today. And by recognizing, celebrating, commemorating yes. Passover, we're living those lessons. And how dangerous it is. To, um, to enjoy a miracle, to celebrate a miracle, to walk through the Red Sea, to get water out of a rock, and, and yet forget what got us there. And I was studying, and if I get it wrong, then, then I get it wrong. But I, even Rashi had, had said something about it being an embarrassing moment, and I asked someone else about it, an Orthodox Jew about it, was that in the, the 40 years there were no circumcisions, and in the 40 years, there was no Passover. And again, if I, if I get that wrong, please forgive and charge it to my, to my head and not to my heart. But, but when the children of Israel are about to cross over and to seize and finally take that land that God had promised, 
centuries earlier, the first thing that had to happen was a circumcision because the men had not been circumcised for 40 years and there had been no Passover meal for that long. And it's, it, if we're not careful, all of us, we can be so blessed and prospered and walk in the miraculous and see deliverance and enemies brought low and the people of God lifted up and we get a revelation from Torah to where we become oblivious to how did I get here? The price somebody paid to get us here. This bread didn't just come from heaven. The water didn't just gush out of a rock. Somebody had to believe for this. And how essential it is in the 40 years to keep doing then what it, it required to get us there. Right. It's so beautiful. And, and you know, the, the Israelites were scared to go into Israel. Mm. Because on one hand, it was the promised land. It was the place that all, they, their destiny. Yes. Finally, we're getting to our destiny. And on the other hand, they lost their leader, Moses. Yes. They knew Moses wasn't going to enter. And it was the place that no longer had revealed miracles. It was mm. the first place they had a fight for in the desert, they had the manna. Yeah. They had the cloud of glory that surrounded <laughs> them. They had the water that came out of the well. Suddenly, you want this land? Go and fight for it. Mm. Go and fight for it. I'll yes. be with you, but go and fight for it. Mm. And in a way, that's what we're doing today. That's what mm. we've carried on from this story, that we know we have God's protection, and as long as we're doing His will, He will be there with mm. us. But this is the land of work. You have to work in order to get the water out of the, out of the rock today. And we've got to keep feeding the miracle. Yeah. Keep feeding the miracle. Yes. Like you said, because if we're not careful, we start facing adversities. Mm -hmm. And rather than hearing God say, that land belongs to you, we start looking and feeling like grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. We start feeling so small when we listen to anything less than, thus saith the Lord wow. for us. Wow. And all of this goes back to the Seder meal, mm. the Passover meal, where we are remembering all these different points. Yes. We are going back and telling the story of how we got here, yes. recognizing those miracles, recognizing the destiny, recognizing oh, yes. the work we have to do in order to receive God's voice. And I know that you've celebrated Seder meals. What have you gotten out of that? Well, there's such a continuity mm. uh, as far as it, being a Christian and understanding Yes, it began as a, as a hallowed piece of God's conversation with Israel. But by faith, we, I, I, as a Christian, choose to believe that it expands. You know what God had said to, to Abraham and all the nations of the world will be blessed. And um, God uses the people of Israel to bless all the nations of the world. And so to be able to sit at a table and to understand that the grace and the mercies of God have expanded to include me, and I don't have ethnically that same conversation, that same history, and yet the love and mercy of God, he says, sit down and participate in this, in this, at this table with me. It, it moves me. And for me as a Christian to understand that Jesus, as an observant Jew, um, would have gone to the temple would have gone to Jerusalem three times a year to observe, to celebrate, to participate. And, and quite possibly it was that meal that he observed before the soldiers came, before he was arrested. And that meal, it's amazing how much the meal moments, those covenant moments, speak and bring change to our life. Yes, yes, it's, 
you have to have a way to manifest mm. it, otherwise you're not grasping it. Mm. That just to have it in your head yes, doesn't pass it on to the next generation, doesn't necessarily embed those uh, values and mm. lessons and teachings and miracles in your spirit and in your flesh the same way physically uh, uh, marking it does, which is why tradition is That's such right. a power. Oh, yes, right? yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and it's amazing to me when we look at the scriptures how many of our most holy moments have to do with eating, mm -hmm. with sharing together. Uh, and really, if, you, if, you, if I look at it, probably I could say the first sin was when Adam and Eve didn't know what to fast. Mm -hmm. when, when God placed them in this glorious garden and says, eat. And these are covenant moments. These are, these are glorious moments, but not that part. And when they didn't know how to step back from certain things, they didn't know how to observe kosher. When he said, <laughs> stay away from that particular uh, food, and they didn't, and that's when the whole drama began. Right, right. Knowing not only between right and wrong, yes. but when something is right yes. and when something is wrong. Oh, my goodness. Because the right thing at the wrong time right. is the wrong thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there's a blessing in Hebrew that we say, it should, it should happen at the right time. Uh, so when someone's looking to get married, the blessing you give them is, it should happen oh, at the wow, right time. Wow. When they're pregnant, you look at them, someone who's pregnant, you say, Bisha'atova. only after oh. do you say, Mazal tov, congratulations. <laughs> when they're pregnant, you say, it should happen at the wow. right time. Because everything is about the right time. My husband and I always say, if we would have met just a few years earlier, it wouldn't have been the right time. Mm. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't have made mm. it happen. But we met at the right time, that mm. we were both in the right place. And that's why kind of eternity yeah. could come from that, yeah. um, which 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 leads directly into my next thought about Passover. That yeah. so much of it is passing it on to the children. Oh. That's what Passover is about. So many things on question on Passover. You, you you say why do you do this so that the kids will ask questions. Mm -hmm. The highlight of the Passover mm -hmm. seder is when the, the youngest child stands up and asks the manishtanan for questions. Mm -hmm. Why is tonight different than every other night? Why are we leaning? Why are we eating salt water? Why are we dipping? Why are we eating matzah? Um, as a pastor, mm. who I know invests so much, both in your own personal next generation, uh, dearest Paul and Kaylin, um, and as running this ministry of hope where I see what you do with the children who are raising them up, um, what can you learn from Passover about educating the next generation? Well, you know, that's really, uh, the question is, how does, how does the eternal God, the forever God, engage a dying planet? He does it through generations. Mm -hmm. And the plan of God for our lives is always too big for my life. Mm -hmm. It requires another generation. Mm -hmm. And so, he, one of his great names is to be known generationally. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Rebecca and Leah and Rachel. I am that God. And, and then he even says to, to Abraham, I want you to cut yourself as a sign of, the, of our covenant. You don't cut your hand, which you could extend for your work to be multiplied. You don't cut your foot so that wherever you go territorially belongs. He said, I want you to cut the most sensitive part of your flesh because from that place flows the next generation. And the book you wrote years ago about generation to generation, it's everything. We're always a generation, especially... Yeah, I mean, ethnically, you're going to be Jewish no matter what, but Christians, where it's built upon faith, we're always one generation away from losing everything. It's that easy to lose. And we're seeing it uh, in so many places of the world now where 
what we once held to be true, we were once fully convinced, we declared with great faith, there is one God, He loves His people, we can know Him personally, and now there's doubt, and there's question, and there's deconstruction of faith, and all of these kinds of things. But what the Passover meal does, it, it, it rallies the people back around the table to, and reminds us this divine memory and remembrance. Who are we? Who is God? What has He done? What has He spoken to us? And how are we called to respond to Him? I love that. It's like when you talk to your child. Remember where you came from. Yes. This home has the values of. It's, it's oh, always yes. reining them back in with those roots that are DNA of the yes, soul. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's so easy for all of us to drift. Yeah. And we need someone that can be able to say, I knew you when. Mm. I see you slipping, mm-hmm. and it's one of my primary res- assignments in life is to remind you of who you are and that you've never gone so far that the loving God of heaven won't bring you home. Mm-hmm. So Passover is kind of God realigning oh, us with him yes, and realigning yeah. us with ourselves because yes. what's the whole thing? Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, that no matter where you are, if you're a position of strength, if you're in a position of power, if you're a position of luxury, then suddenly you have to remember you were once yes, a slave. What does that mean? What type of responsibility? And it's not a one-seated table. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like Shabbat. You know, you, I had the most wonderful Shabbat dinner the other night. I didn't hardly know anyone, but that's the very nature of it. It was, I'm inviting my friends who were inviting their parents, and I, I was able to sit there and meet all of these people I had never met in my life. And that is the nature of the invitation of of of, of, of uh, go ye into all the world, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion, and and uh, part of that Shabbat is to me is a glorious reflection of the Passover meal. Beautiful. So, what would you say is the spiritual message that you get from Passover, on a personal way, not as a message to mm. the nation, but what's mm. that spiritual that spiritual hug that God gives you when you celebrate Passover? Hope for me is the most beautiful word in all the human language. Uh, We named both of our daughters Hope, one who is the joy of my life and one who plays in the streets of heaven. And when it was time 33 years ago to start a ministry, I named it Hope, not because I had so much, but because it seemed like I had none. We had lost two children. And in the midst of the anguish of hearing all the Egyptian families in their agony and their loss and their anguish and heartache and brokenness, um, we are well. We are kept. That is a big piece. No matter what has happened, we are kept. We are sustained. We are together. We are one. And for me, the Passover is we didn't always get exempted from a thing, but we were kept mm-hmm. in the midst of the thing. Yeah. And, um, but also, we can't stay in the house forever. Eventually, if we're going to cross that Red Sea, we've go. got to know when to stay in there because of the death angel. And we got to know when it's time to get out. I love that, and, and, and that what bridges those two together, mm-hmm. knowing when to stay and when to go, is simply faith. 
that we know that God told the Israelites then as a sign that you trust in me. First, take a lamb, tie it up on your front lawn for a few days, then slaughter it and put the blood on your doorpost. Now, the lamb was the Egyptian god. And so it's saying go against, rebel against this culture that you've been slaves to. If you're willing to trust me to do that, I'll save you and wow. perform the miracles. Wow. And and many of the Israelites didn't leave. They say mm. only one-fifth actually left. Wow. Only one-fifth had I the faith that, that they needed in order to leave. Wow. And so it's a, it, it's a message of knowing when to stay in your homes and knowing mm. that God will protect you. Knowing when you leave, God mm. will protect you. Uh, what is it? When you're sitting mm. in your homes and when you're going on your way, mm. have this be a sign on your doorpost. Mm. That if you are willing to sacrifice everything to bring God into your life, he'll be with you when you're sitting at home, he'll be with mm. you when you're going on your way. And Sinai is not coming to you. Mm. You can stay in this miracle yeah. and still miss the word that he has for you. Yeah. Torah. Torah's waiting for you. Are you willing to leave the house that kept you safe last night but will keep you from a thing tomorrow? Wow. It's all, it all goes back to timing. 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 It seems like everything that you're saying, Passover, from the beginning, from uh, the beginning of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. of recognizing how mm-hmm. fundamental Passover was to Jesus oh, himself yes. personally, all the way to lessons that can be learned today is a real source of bridging yeah. Jews and Christians. Oh, please, God, let it be. Mm-hmm. Please, God, let it be. Because we still have pilots, and we still have pharaohs, and we still have Hamans, and we still have those faces and voices. We have a choice. It's generations or genocide. Mm-hmm. And We'd better know how to bring our families together and to declare in faith, I don't understand everything, but I know. Mm -hmm. Don't ever put yourself in a position to where you have to understand everything you know. I don't understand how God created the heavens and the earth, Mm -hmm. but I know He did. Mm -hmm. I don't know how He took, you know, all of the, for 430 years of captivity and then two and a half million Jews for 40 years. I don't know how he did that. I don't understand it, but I know he did. Faith starts where logic ends. Oh my goodness, thank the Lord it does. <laughs> thank the Lord it does. Wow. Well, Bishop Lanier, I could talk to you forever. Hopefully we will fine. continue talking yes, forever. Um, but what's one lesson that you hope Christians um, mm. learn from the story of Passover and from our conversation today? Be willing. Be willing to listen to beyond the audible. Be willing to look beyond the visible. Be willing to believe beyond the understandable. Let God out of the box so he can let us out of ours. Oh, beloved God, you are so good to us. There are no words to describe your boundless love. Only you could have created such a moment to where two very different people with different backgrounds and stories could sit in a room and say there is one God. 
I thank you for this honor and for this privilege. Now we together pray for Jews and Christians as we're approaching this holy season that we would open our hearts to anything and everything you want us to know. Be willing to receive whatever it takes. Be willing to release whatever it takes to be in the perfect will of God. And for all of this, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, ma'am. So great. Happy Passover. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.